Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 13. I'm your host, Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, man? I'm doing great, Phil. We had a lot of racing this weekend. It was um, somewhat exciting, and but a lot of uh, a lot of strategy and, and uh, a lot of controversy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get any further, we're going to go into the IndyCar doubleheader at Iowa, the Hungarian Grand Prix, the Texas Massacre uh, presented by COVID, and then we're going to bring in a new segment called uh, Grip Strip Podcast Roundup, which will go over a bunch of uh, other series and uh, key news items. And then we will give you previews of the two series that are running this weekend to major series, which is uh, the NASCAR uh, series will be at Kansas. And then there will be MotoGP at Jerez uh, for a second week in a row. Uh, we'll also talk about how Josh knows how to hit winners. And uh, he's uh, he needs to start betting some of these winners so he can get uh, a better sim because he's already racing in the sim uh, deal and wrecking uh, NASCAR's number one fan. We'll talk about that later, uh, closer to the end of the show. Um, But first, we'll go into IndyCar, Iowa Speedway. They ran another doubleheader after running two races at Road America. Uh, Two 250-lap races at Iowa Speedway Friday and Saturday night. Uh, one qualifying session, uh, lap one determined the qualifying for Friday, and uh, lap two determined Saturday's lineup. Uh, Simon Pagano comes from tailback, as Rust, as former uh, track owner and designer Rusty Wallace would like to say, came from dead last to win on Friday, and Joseph Newgarden, who's uh, basically now the king of Iowa Speedway, he's tied Ryan Hunter Ray with uh, three wins at the seven-eighths mile oval. Uh, Basically, uh, Penske ends up after a rough start to the season. uh, They they were able to finish both nights. Uh, Will Power even got a podium and then whined about it on uh, Saturday there. Um, What were your thoughts, Josh, on uh, Penske's um, doing what they did uh, this weekend at Iowa Speedway? Well, I wasn't expecting uh, Simon Pagano to come from the back all the way, uh, literally dead last shotgun on the field all the way up to the front like that. Uh, I thought, you know, we saw guys like uh, Oliver Askew, who was, you know, seemed like he had a good shot at the end, but then at the end it just turned out, um, base, basically, you know, that last caution where we saw uh, Colton Herta get in uh, to the back of, um, I forgot his name, um, yeah, got, got back. Renus VK. Yeah, VK. Yeah, he got back at Renus VK, and that kind of caused kind of a long caution. And then we saw uh, Simon Pagano kind of take advantage of that, and use he was able to save fuel um, during that, and then kind of keep his way up front. And he didn't have to make any stop on the that last green flag run there at the end of that race, and he was able to hold the lead and keep uh, um, Scott Dixon away from getting that. Uh, that race win and so it was good for uh, Penske to get I guess you know we see the fight with Ganassi and Penske every year in IndyCar and now that they've gotten their first two wins of the season now we've seen um, uh, Penske maybe starting to take a shot at uh, the championship for this year 
Yeah, Pagano comes from the back, win, wins the first race, leads 83 laps. Newgarden uh, was disappointed, was mad. Uh, Pitt's strategy cautioned that that Colton heard a Renus VK caution, which basically justified the the new um, arrow screen and halo setup. Uh, really just flipped the whole strategy on its lid, as Josh said. And it cost Newgarden a chance to win that race. He led it 68 laps. I mean, Sato, who was, was he started six, but fell way back. Um, he went and pitted really early, which basically dictated what happened on Saturday night. His strategy kind of set the tone um, and affected things the rest of the weekend. Uh, he ended up finishing 10th. We'll go through the rundown here. Pagano, Dixon, Oliver Askew, and Patricio Award for Arrow, Spam. Uh, yeah, I'll just call him Spam. New Garden, Alexander Rossi gets a sixth-place finish. Jack Harvey, seventh. Connor Daly started on pole, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit uh, for the Carlin team, and uh, finished eighth. Uh, timing, things didn't really work out as well car wasn't handling as well as he needed it marcus erickson continues uh, they spend a lot of time talking about on tv in his second year in the series he gets another top 10 sato 10th and then you look at some of the other uh notables uh got uh graham ray hall was buried he finished 12th ryan hunter ray uh wrecked coming off of uh pit road but got away with it but still finished three laps down in 16 three-time former three-time winner at the racetrack uh heard of vk of course out uh will power a wheel fell off after uh issues on pit road and um mechanical issues for the legend marco andretti and uh 13 year old zach veach so that was race one uh and uh, I mean, when you look at the the results, you talk about um, Pagano, and you also look at New Garden and the Spam team, which we're we can talk about. I think we can combine them both here. You know, like when you look at the Penske team, they're always going to be contenders. There's things going on, rumors, which we're going to discuss in terms of sports cars, teams. All it's all going on right now you know Penske rented Iowa Speedway he might be buying it it's Roger Penske um Pagano and and Newgarden both basically put themselves right back into the points battle but Scott Dixon over both nights he got a second and a fifth so I guess the the question Josh is if you were to choose between either Pagano one-time champion, defending Indy 500 winner, and the defending series champion, Joseph Newgarden, uh, who would you think has a better chance of catching uh, Scott Dixon at this point very early in the season, and why? You know, I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden, and the reason is because he's led the most laps in the entire series so far with uh, 352 laps, and he has an average start of uh, 4.2, where Simon Pagano has an average start of 18th, although obviously 
that uh, was factored or that's weighed down by his uh, qualifying efforts at Iowa last weekend. But uh, I think Newgarden has a little bit better chance to uh, stay up front and contend for uh, the wins. And, you know, he's had three poles already. Um, Pagano does have the edge in podiums, but I think overall, I think uh, I would probably go with uh, Newgarden. It seems like maybe uh, he might be um, – slightly more consistent and i think you know he just has a better chance of staying up front yeah and i i'll i'll go the other way i'll go with pagino just because we don't know what his status is with the team uh will power some of the things he's been saying doing and uh some of his actions would make you think that he might be on the edge uh you know, he might be uh, in a position where he he has to look elsewhere for a ride. Uh, Penske's sports car situation might mean they expand to four cars. Um, if he's the odd man out, it may explain why he's pushing uh, the way he is and making the mistakes he is. Um, some of his other defects, which I was having a conversation with uh with somebody else on uh, Twitter earlier and we had a good conversation about some of the wacky people that are in racing and people who block race drivers who block fans. And it started with Marco cause he's such a legend in his own mind. And then it got into other people and will power came up and uh, who knows, maybe he's going to stay around, maybe not, but I think Scotty McLaughlin is going to be in an Indy car next year for Penske. Now I'm I'm certain I'm certain that New Garden's not going to be moved. He's the only one on that team that doesn't have an Indy 500, but he's the youngest guy. He has two championships, as Josh said, really uber consistent. Great group they have there. Personality, you know, he looks the part. He's got the he's got the looks. He talks the talk. He kind of has Rick Mears like characteristics he's going to be there for a long time uh pagino we don't know where he's at honda of course would love to have him back depending on the fina the financials if he were to not be signed back but i think john menard really likes him so and because john menard had to sponsor his son and he sponsors brandon jones he wants to have somebody that can actually win races so it'd be nice to keep pagino there so who knows i think uh, it's to be determined. Indianapolis, of course, uh, which is a month from now. We're doing this on Wednesday, the 22nd. So literally a month and a day, the Indianapolis 500 will, will be going on. And if one of those two guys wins, it's double points. All of a sudden, you're flipping the script right then and there. There's qualifying points, uh, all kinds of things that could come into play. Uh, there for uh, not only Penske, but um, for those two drivers. Uh, Another piece to the puzzle uh, talking about the weekend was uh, Connor Daly. And uh, he's been around a long time. He's a fan favorite. He's uh, somebody who's been on a lot of the other podcasts friends of mine have, like like, uh, the Indie Sports Car podcast with Frank Missy. Uh, you know, pit lane parley, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Connor, great personality, hilarious. He has no neck. 
It's it's he, some of his pictures. He looks he looked like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber back in the day. It's just he, he's a funny guy, and his reactions driving sim racing are hilarious. But last week, in a real real form, he put it on pole for Carlin Racing, which you know they have a great background in in uh, European formulas and uh, lower uh, the the ladder the european i guess the ladder towards formula one and other series carlin's been winning forever but they've struggled in indycar most uh, notably last year when only one of their four cars made the indy 500 and uh so what does it say about connor daly he's been in this series for a while um what what can we expect really? I mean, he's going between two rides. He's going to be in a Ned Carpenter car at Indianapolis, a cool looking, uh, car number 47 at Indianapolis for the 500. Um, is it possible that Connor Daly could go out and finally get his first career win, really go and get crazy here. And while going around flipping between two teams, get a win here in this series and what else can we look for as not only this season, but following seasons going on? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, Connor Daly's finally beginning to show some results. You know, he hasn't always had the best cars and he, you know, he had a couple of years with, with Foyt, you know, and, and uh, with um, some other teams that, you know, just didn't have like the equipment or the speed to really showcase his talent. But you know, he's always uh, made himself um, a name based on his personality, and and that's you know what draws people to him, and you know he has that following now. But you know we go forward into this season, and, you know now he's on he put the car on pole for uh, for last week here at Iowa, and you know I I wasn't sure like how long he would hold the lead, but you know, he's able to hold the lead for the first you know 13 laps or so of that race, and he did a pretty good job of it. And, you know, he's able to kind of take. You know, the line away of uh, Joseph Newgarden and some other guys, and you know, it was up up until like he kind of started getting some traffic that you know he didn't or you know, he stopped leading the race and got passed by I think Newgarden. But it shows uh, how well he's able to hold the lead, but also it does um, kind of reflect on the Carlin team that maybe they're beginning to uh, start making some improvements on their on their car, and you know they're beginning to show more speed that they can use especially at um some of these uh short ovals like uh, iowa and then we'll have uh gateway um if if that's still on the schedule coming up uh later in the season and and coming up you know we have indianapolis and he'll be in the uh ed carpenter car over there and we know that the carpenter team has good speed at uh indianapolis and you know they've had multiple pulls to show for it so you know we you never know what will happen uh i think Connor Daly definitely has a good shot to maybe he'll get in the fast nine at, at the Indy 500 and maybe like he'll try to steal a win maybe if the race comes down to uh, fuel mileage or something. But I do think that I'm mean, you know I'm not sure which race it'll happen, but I definitely think um, he's due for a win and I do think uh, it'll come on merit um, or potentially maybe on strategy, but. Uh, either way, you know, this uh, recent results of his does show um, that potentially he might be a wild card 
driver kind of to watch uh, going forward here uh, this season and potentially in the future. Yeah, when you talked about it with uh, he had an all right year with uh, with the uh, coin and uh, it wasn't the Boy Scouts. I forget what the heck his sponsor was. They 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 had a whole entire list. They had the entry list of all the different cars he's driven in the Indy cars and for all the teams he's filled in for. And he ran all right. I think he had one podium for coin or a couple yeah one podium he had a podium for filling in for hinch for uh the schmidt peterson then you look at uh he's he's had other couple other results here and there but this the way he's run so far this year the pace he's had the potential he's shown it's it's a guy who's who Ran in Europe, ran GP3. I think he had a cup of coffee in GP2 as well. Like Newgarden also ran GP3. And he's a guy, he's had the talent. He has the personality. Is he an elite driver? Is he elite talent? No. But the fact of the matter is he's a, he's a, he's a grinder. And, and it, it, he's a lot like his father, Derek, who for his whole career always was a grinder and he made a light, he made a livelihood and took care of his family driving formula one. Then he came to Indy cars, ran the Rainer number 10 for many years. Then he got on TV and then he sup- went and on the side, went and ran for Nissan in the GTPs with uh, Jeff Brabham. So the fact of the matter is Connor Daly has done the same thing. And this series needs to have, the the fundamental one of the fundamental issues with IndyCar is the fact that they don't promote their personalities well, and they don't. And it's part of the reason why they can't get as much sponsorship because they don't do that. And they have so many great people at IndyCar compared to NASCAR in terms of in their PR and in some of the promote. And they just don't miss the boat when when it comes to to Connor, when it comes to Newgarden. Rossi's hilarious. Dixon's an ama- is an interesting guy. He's a really cool. He is the Iceman, but he's a good guy. You know, Graham Rahal for whoever, whether you love him or hate him, he's an interesting character. Second generation, third third generation racer. You know, Power's a funny guy when he isn't whining like a bitch. You know, Herda. I don't know, whatever. I, I I'm not a fan of Herda, and I don't really care about him. Santucci, if you're a maggot. You know, or Paul Tracy, all those, all them guys. They like to defend him. Then, then you probably like him. Uh, but he's not. I met him. He isn't a bad guy. I met him at the auto show. He wasn't a bad guy. But who knows? I think the Spam duo are cool, cool cats, and both of them can drive. That you just keep on going down, down this list, and there is a lot of interesting people, a lot of interesting characters, and they're just missing the boat here. And Connor's one of them. But he's found a deal with a team that he used to run with, with Trevor Carlin, and they're running the ovals. And hopefully, after this season, Connor Daly's able to get a budget together and run for one team for an entire season. And we could see that has the resources, and we could see what he can actually do. Uh, maybe Ed Carpenter finally realizes that it's better to have a third car just for him 
and run the 20 car all year and let Connor run the 20 car. That would probably be the best thing. Um, that would be good for him. That'd be good for the team, have an American guy in his car. But we'll see. Maybe he goes, wins the Indy 500 and sets the world on fire and then everything will be crazy, you know. Uh, the Another piece I talked about, the spam duo, Paddle Award, Oliver Askew had great runs both nights. Um, you know, just briefly, we'll go into the race two results. I was, was going to go and blast over that. New Garden, Power, Graham Rehall in the podium. Pagano comes from tailback to fourth, Dixon fifth, Askew sixth. Uh, he had the fastest car late, but he had lost so much ground it didn't matter. Harvey gets another top ten, Rossi eighth, Erickson ninth, and the legend in, in his own mind finished tenth. Uh, Tony Kanaan, in what supposedly is his last race at Iowa, finished 11th, former winner there, Paddle Award, who had a good car, had issues on pit road, finished 12th. Connor Daly, who had started third in race two, finished 13th, got uh, stuck on strategy there. Um, talking about Award, he, he got close at, at uh, Road America in race two, lost to um, to Rosenquist, and he had a fast car both nights at Iowa. Of course, Askew um, really finally was able to show his his true talent that he's he, that he has. Um, both of them had some issues during the sim season, um, but um, what were your takeaways on on the? the spam duo and also on the flip side of that, the Andretti Autosport team, which at a track where they've had success having like big time struggles. Yeah, definitely with uh, the McLaren spam team, you know, it's good to see them get a good result at an oval track. And, you know, we saw with, Paddle Award, he, he uh, came close at the end of Road, Road America, then pulled it out, and now we see Askew had a good run on Saturday night, and really, I thought he had a shot to win that race, to be uh, quite honest, but, you know, just ran out of time there at the end. You know, he had that uh, pit stop uh, in the middle of that final run, and with tires at Iowa, they really matter a whole lot, and it seemed like he was having a faster pace than most of the guys in the uh, top 10 but then he kind of stalled out there at, at the end and was only able to get third but still it's a great run for him uh, nonetheless and then Pato Award you know he led uh, some laps there at on Friday night and I think he just had a little bit slower pit stop than uh, Askew and you know, he finished a little bit lower but still though it's um, a great uh, weekend for both of them and it shows uh, the ability for uh, the spam team to, uh, you know, what what they can do on a week to week basis, and something, you know, with McLaren getting back in the IndyCar, uh, uh, shows kind of uh, fruit, I guess, of their investment into that team, and something that uh, we're going to look for later in the future here with this series. That uh, maybe we'll see uh, the that team start to uh, finish consistently in the in the top ten, get podiums and be another threat 
uh, in the IndyCar series and maybe maybe uh, break the stranglehold with uh, Penske and Ganassi, but y- you never know with that. Yeah, that's it. they invested in two young guys and Sam Schmidt screwed over James Hinchcliffe and uh, that's another, you know, the take uh, one big takeaway. He was in the booth this weekend and he basically made that fat, no necked fool. Paul Tracy looked like an idiot the whole entire weekend. Um, James Hinchcliffe is a natural on TV. Um, he proved that way long, long time ago, uh, when he should have won dancing with the stars with smoking hot Sharna Burgess. But um, as an announcer, he's great. Um, we wish he would be out on the on the circuit. It's kind of a, a problem, you know, the issues with financials. And when you look at the viability for people to go and jump in the series, I mean, unlike NASCAR, I think IndyCar has a better setup. And with Roger Penske at the helm, they have better leadership. So maybe more teams come along where you may not need to have as much financial uh backing and it'll be merit based um james could get back in the seat would be cool uh but he did a great job but when it comes to his the guys that out spam they're the long if it's a long game with mclaren and they want these two guys to become championship guys they have two of them that can really do something for sure and Chevy investing in other teams is good because they need to have something after Penske. Um, Honda has Ganassi and, and Andretti Autosport. They also have Coin. So you you have a, vi- a relatively viable group of teams there, and Ray Hall, uh, the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team. So you have a lot of viable players there on the Honda side, Chevy only had Penske now having the spam team, uh, flip over to Chevy. It's a good long-term look. We'll see what they do, especially at Indianapolis. Pat Award had a brutal, uh, introduction to Indianapolis last year, uh, failed to qualify for the Indy 500 with Carlin. Um, Fernando Alonso was his pseudo teammate there. In a McLaren deal, he failed to qualify. Um, they'll all be together trying to make the show, and I would I would venture to say that they'll have a much better chance uh, this year than they did last year uh, to make the show. But I, before we move on, like what are you, what are you you'd look at Andretti? The uh, Ryan Hunter Ray had uh, problems both nights. Colton Herta, after starting his season really, really well, had a brutal couple of nights there and f- flew over the head of Renus VK. Um, the the and, and I mean Rossi had an all right couple of days, but it's not. It's one of his worst racetracks. He hates Iowa. He made it abundantly clear. What what are we? In, in in terms of Andretti Autosport, Josh, I mean, it's not what we would expect from one of the big three teams. They're one of the big three, and their highest-placed driver right now is seventh. Yeah, it's definitely not looking good for Andretti Autosport this year, and it just seems like this year is going to be an off year for that team. 
and it's you know it's a shame because we know what Alexander Rossi can do. He's proven himself in the past, and he just had that big contract, which we've discussed before. And you know, it just looks like this year is just not going to be the year for that team at all. You know, Rossi. You know, I guess it's a good weekend for him since he was able to kind of get a good finish. You know, he's had eighth place on uh, Saturday night and Friday night. You know, he's able to finish sixth. It seemed like maybe on Saturday night, you know, maybe the pit strategy was going to work out for him and you know, he was going to place a little bit higher, but it just wasn't there uh, at the end. And, you know, just just uh, never seemed like that they, you know, were going to, like, be able to finish uh, really high with any of their teams. And, you know, you, you hate to see Pato, or not Pato, I'm sorry, um, uh, Colton Herta uh, get get in a wreck like that um, on Friday night. Uh, and, you know, it just, just shows that, you know, anything can happen in the series, but uh, it, it's uh, just not going to be a, a good year overall for that team at all. I don't, I'm, you know, struggling to see, like, if, if uh, they can even really put together overall as a team, like, a better season. You know, we have Ryan hunter Ray. like, he seems to be up and down, like, you know, one week he might um, score a, a top 10 or, you know, somewhere in that range, fifth to 10th place. And then there's other races where, you know, he's finished at the bottom of the running order. And it just seems like they're all over the place. And as a team that they don't have the, um, their stuff together. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, they've got to use the rest of the season to figure out uh, what's wrong and fix it. And maybe they can come back stronger next year. Yeah, when you when you've lost so much ground and with this points system that they have and when you also take into account how well Scott Dixon uh, started the year with three consecutive victories and all the Andretti drivers having their share of issues. I mean, Colton Herta until Iowa was second in points. Uh, what is it? Zach Veach had a great run at Texas since falling off a cliff. Hunter Ray's had the the Wiley Coyote Anvil dropping on him for about four years now. Um, as a fan of Captain America, as um, Lee Diffie loves to call him, um, he's he hasn't had a whole lot of luck for a while, um, since, especially since he won the Indy 500. So. At the end of the day, at least you won the Indy 500. If you're if the if the bottom's gonna fall out on your career, you won a championship in the Indy 500. It really doesn't matter, right? So, um, but it sucks. You know, he's he's a good guy. He's a hard racer. He's tough. When he's on, he's he can be up there. He can win races. Still, um, he was a young gun way back when. Now he's one of the older guards. So it's interesting. Um, Marco's a waste of a seat. Um, I mean, Rossi was a title favorite for it to go as bad as it has. It's a shame, honestly. Um, I mean, basically, at this point, Andretti has to focus on Indianapolis and trying to win the Indy 500, trying to make the most of the month of August, then said month of May, go and get as many cars into the Fast 9, because, you know, Penske is going to be able to probably get three out of their four cars if not all four in you know you ed carpenter's probably going to get one ed's probably going to get in there possibly two will get in there so that'll be six chevys right there 
or five Chevys. Then you have to look at all these Honda teams that are very competitive. Andretti's going to have to make a splash uh, at Indy to make anything of uh, this 2020 season. So from there, we will go into the Hungarian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton wins his eighth Hungarian Grand Prix. Basically lights the flag victory, led all but one lap. One, uh, he won the pole in mixed conditions. Um, it was a dominant performance for uh, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, one pole, fastest lap. He got that. He made a pit stop to go and get that to earn the points. He took over the points lead from Valtteri Bottas. Um, the eighth win at Hungary ties Michael Schumacher for the most wins at one particular Grand Prix, the French Grand Prix for Michael Schumacher. Um, you know, when, it, when when we look at the Hungarian Grand Prix, Lewis did his thing. And uh, I, I think the biggest story out of that after was Max Verstappen crashes on his installation lap, drives up to the grid, his team repairs the car, and he's able to not only, you know, take the start, but finish second, beat Botas. Um, what do you what What do you think of uh, the Hungarian Grand Prix there, Josh? Yeah, I mean, besides Lewis Hamilton dominating the race for the most part, it was a you know it was very uh, interesting race to watch. You know, they started out on on uh, the uh, rain tires there and. They were, you know, then they transitioned onto the uh, the dry tires, and you saw a little bit of strategy there. We saw Haas come in on the uh, formation, or you know, on the before the formation lap, and they went and uh, did a pit stop as um, um, they were decided to go on on the dry tires to start the race and kind of help their strategy at the beginning of the race, and they were able to score some points at the end because of it. And you know, we saw uh, Ferrari basically put. The wrong uh, tires for uh, Leclerc. They put them on too soft the tires that uh, after they took off the wet tires, and and then we saw him kind of drop back, and and he was um, trying to hold his position. And he kind of had a pack of cars behind him with uh, that included, I think, Vettel and Alex Albon and and some other guys, and they uh, just seemed like they didn't have the right strategy or their you know their um, right approach for that race, and it kind of hurt. Uh, uh, Leclerc there, and then you know, then at the end we kind of see with uh, the racing point cars, they're uh, able to score, uh, they're able to score a um, fourth place finish with Lance Stroll, and you know saw Ver- Verstappen uh, end up taking second. It was a very interesting uh, Grand Prix to watch, um, and it was you know, definitely not without uh, controversy as once again Racing Point gets accused. By Renault and of um, I I think I know the one of the uh, penalties or accusations that they have is that they're um, I guess they're copying parts that they're not supposed to be copying and and if they I guess they need to prove that um, that they're developing their own stuff and they're not stealing other material uh, from other teams or something like that and and then um, Haas like they ended up getting a penalty with. Uh, 
their communication because they weren't I guess they weren't supposed to communicate to the drivers to come into the pits on the first uh, before the the race started. Uh, even though it's technically um, allowed to, you're allowed to pit. They just, um, I guess, they just didn't execute that plan right by telling the drivers to pit uh, before the race, which seems like a dumb penalty, but whatever. Um, but you know, definitely uh, some interesting stuff that uh, played out during the, the Hungarian Grand Prix. Yeah, absolutely. You you look at the race results, Hamilton. Uh, wins Verstappen second, Botas third, Lance Stroll started third, finished fourth. Uh, Botas completely been the start, which is part of what um, opened up the door for Verstappen, even though he tried to give the race away. Albon uh, gets a fifth place finish. He got buried. Uh, controversy going on with um, his uh, one of his BFFs, uh, George Russell coming out and basically calling out uh, Red Bull for not providing a good card at Alex, um, which I do agree with um, in large part because it's been proven. You could just look back over time uh, with Red Bull and their inability to provide a good car, a good two, two good cars. And, and you could go and most teams are not able to do that. It goes all the way back for me as a Senna fan, people hate him for going and basically vetoing Derek Warwick from Lotus. But when you look at how bad Lotus was, even at that point, they were only able to provide one good car. And he knew that. And, you know, Derek Warwick won touring car races, sports car races, all that. He never got to really um, come through in Formula One. Maybe he would have been a Lotus, but. It would have been at the expense of Senna, and no offense to Derek Warwick, but Senna's better. It's the same thing in this day and age, uh, and that's, I guess, something we can talk about more later. Uh, Ferrari finally had a decent qualifying, but as Josh mentioned, their strategy was absolute trash. Uh, Both Ferraris got lapped. Leclerc didn't even score points. He finished 11th. Uh, you look at uh, Vettel 6th, Perez 7th, Ricardo 8th, Carlos Sainz 9th, and Magnussen for Haas, Haas as uh, the Europeans like to call it, uh, finished, uh, finished in 9th, but then he got demoted to 10th yeah he got demoted to 10th because of a time penalty because of the the information that he received uh, mclaren didn't have their best uh, race uh, in the mixed conditions uh kind of a disappointment relative to what they were showing at austria for the first two races uh reno's kind of where they are tracing points doing what they're doing uh, we kind of know where things stand right now. I think everything kind of is starting to fall into place. It's only three races in the series in the season. They have a week off before they run two races at Silverstone. But I think we kind of have an idea of where everything is. Um, when you go and look at Ferrari, I mean, we talk about the racing points and and the the Red Bulls, but I think the biggest problem is Ferrari, and they just announced they made some changes 
to the team structure to kind of make things more efficient. But does is that really going to mean anything? Are they going to be able – do you think that, Josh, or do you really think that they're going to be able to get back to the level of where, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull are? Are they going to be able to compete for wins like they did the last few years? Or is this like a complete throwaway year and we're looking at 2021, kind of like Andretti Autosport and IndyCar? Yeah, I think it's more similar to what Andretti's kind of going through right now. It, you know, with they deciding to change their team structure in the middle of the season, you know, that's kind of saying like, yeah, we're kind of throwing a, a Hail Mary, so to speak, uh, with the season. It doesn't seem like they, you know, they're, not on the right foot you know they definitely uh, have a a very uh poor season coming forward if they're not able to make anything out of these changes and it seems like they've been behind um relative to what they're used to uh performing and you know they haven't been um the dominant formula one team for a while now but they've still been kind of the second fiddle uh to mercedes and you could always count on one of the ferrari drivers you know placing at least a a podium at the very end of the uh, final standings but it just it just shows that you know they for whatever reason aren't um up to speed to you know where they want to be and i think yeah it's definitely going to be a a sort of a throwaway year uh i think leclerc probably has the best shot of maybe redeeming himself uh going forward we'll see how that goes Uh, you know, Vettel's mired a little bit deeper in the standings, but we know how he's uh, already kind of out of it mentally, and he's um, you know just trying to get through his last season with Ferrari and maybe in Formula One. Uh, so it's going to fall on Leclerc to kind of carry the team going forward, and um, certainly it's possible. You know, we saw him finish second back in uh, Austria, the first race of the season, but it just seems like maybe going forward um, they're not going to be able to uh, get the results they are expecting. And I'm just not confident in their ability uh, for 2020. Yeah, when you Ferrari kind of they they set the tone for everything prior to COVID with the car they brought to preseason testing, but not just the what the car that they brought to preseason testing, the 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 regulations and some of the rules that they broke with the uh the engine the ice um not the ice of the uh, illegal cops going around to portland and other places uh the internal combustion engine uh and the uh, fuel flow uh, restrictions that they probably broke the rules of um that's become an issue so the engine was isn't as strong so now Ferrari, any Ferrari team or power team is at the back foot on that. Then you consider that the aero and downforce is not, isn't good either. And then you're just basically in, you're screwed. So it, with 2021 having basically flat regulations, and you have a 2022 car, which is going to be brand new. You're going to have some guys going to different teams. Of course, Alonzo coming back to Renault, who he's already come out and said 
don't even bother to make any developments, make the 2022 car. Um, rumors state that Vettel's going to go to Tracing Point. Um, in in signs, Carlos signs is going to be coming in. So who knows what Ferrari? But the fact is, if they're going to if they're going to shit the bed, so to speak, this year. They don't want to be complete trash going into um, not into 2021. They want to be able to at least hold hold their weight and 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 do something. Uh, they're not going to be able to compete as well as as Mercedes and Red Bull, obviously. But they'll, they'll at least if they're closer to what uh, they've been say since whatever, I guess from 15 through 19, then it's better than what they have right now. I guess we will find out uh, what they will be doing in that sense. Um, One thing we want to mention before we move on to NASCAR, uh, American Logan Sargent uh, is driving in Formula 3, and uh, he's currently second in points for Prema, uh, but he's done really well, been relatively consistent, still learning. So it's cool to uh, bring the red, white, and blue. And the GSP, we're going to go and support our Americans. We're going to support, in my case, I'm going to support Indian drivers as long as they actually have a clue. Like uh, uh, Daruvala for um, the... Uh, whatever the team that's run by Christian Horner. He's a Red Bull junior driver. Uh, he's not bad, not as good as Logan Sargent, of course, um, but he's not as bad as Ma- the Lord Mahavir. So that's good. Um, Indian drivers in motorsport have checkered pass. So uh, for me as a brown guy, uh, I'll just take anybody that can run up front. On to uh, people that randomly run up front. Austin Dillon, somehow or another, went out there at uh, Texas and took his third career cup victory um, in the, uh, I don't even know what the hell, the freaking O'Reilly Auto Parts 500. He beats uh, teammate Tyler Reddick. First 1-2 for RCR since Talladega 2011. Uh, during the uh, tandem days, Clint Boyer was still a driver for RCR back then, and he beat uh, the mayor, Jeff Burton, when uh, he wasn't yelling uh, over a microphone, um, acting like uh, he's important. So you talk about uh, RCR going and doing that. Um, you look at Whitney um, looking amazing with no makeup, which tells me a lot. Uh, basically in just lounging around holding the poorly named baby that's going to get really harassed and abused. Um, but she looked good. And, and her friend, uh, um, uh, Mariel, who I loved, she was my favorite Monster Energy girl, but uh, they, they got that win there and... Um, 
before I go off on a tangent, I'm going to go and toss it to Josh. What does this say about the organization and uh, who's been responsible, you think, for this this trend upward for RCR? Yeah, this uh, shows that this race win by Austin Dillon shows that RCR is maybe beginning to turn it around. You know, for the last couple of years, it seems like RCR hasn't been, you know, quite what what it was like when they were with uh, Kevin Harvick. You know, they haven't really been uh, anything really worth anything since you know 2013. That's now seven years ago, and yeah, they've had a a couple of race wins here and there, but you know, the those race wins with uh, Austin Dillon were you know the Daytona 500 where he wrecked Eric Almirola, and then the uh, Coke 600 in uh, 2017 or 2018 when he uh, won the race on fuel mileage, and you know he's made the chase a couple of times, but uh, you know hasn't really uh, done anything of note. And now maybe it seems like they might be up on the turnaround. You know, he has a, a driver, a teammate with uh, Tyler Reddick, who seems like he's currently the hottest rookie on the series, even though he hasn't scored his first win yet, but he's been uh, the rookie in the series has brought the most consistent results. I think of all the rookies so far. And really, I think, you know, between the performance with uh, uh, Reddick this season and, you know, repairing with uh, of uh, Austin Dillon, Austin Dillon with uh, Justin Alexander is crew chief. I think really that's uh, what's kind of helped RCR kind of, get back on its feet or at least uh, start to trend in that direction. And, you know, it seems like in the beginning of Austin Dillon's uh, career here at uh, RCR, he was with uh, Danny Stockman, but then they changed to Justin Alexander and they seemed to pair well, but then they changed crew chiefs again last year. And then this year they brought him back with Dillon. And I think that's probably sparked kind of a sort of residuance with uh, that team and, potentially going forward i think you'll see um austin dylan maybe maybe he'll get uh more consistent in his results now and uh we'll see how he's able to perform but hopefully you know going forward and it helps uh bring the profile of that team back up to kind of where it was in its heyday with uh, uh dale earnhardt and then kevin harvick in the uh 2000s and early 2010s yeah i mean that's uh, a big ask when you look at where RCR was in their heyday uh, with uh, Dale Sr. and even some of the other guys that have been there over time that have won championships of Harvick, of course, um, Xfinity and, you know, winning a lot of cup races and some of the other guys there and Silver Spoon, he made the mention of that and he's a lot like a lot like Marco Andretti. You know, he's he's had a lot of opportunity. I mean, relative to the equipment, I think I'll, I'll give Austin this. The Chevys have been off for a few years. They had the advantage for many years, and then Toyota went and paid off the France family, and that's part of why they they have the situation why they have, they have right now. And then the Camaro body hasn't really worked out too well within the gen six platform but i think for austin dillon he knew he had to finally show up he knew he had to uh, decide if he wants to be a top line cup driver 
he has to prove himself against a guy in Tyler Reddick who his grandfather has taken a real liking to because he reminds him of certain guys he used to have, a.k.a. Dale Earnhardt and Kevin Harvick. And so, you know, he has a little Ricky Rudd in him too. You know, he's got he's got the, the best guys that RCR has ever had in him. And Reddick's legit. And he's he's a future guy, and I mean, minus the fact that RC is trying to muzzle him because of uh, Tyler Reddick's uh, social uh, justice, I guess, and some of his takes because he lives in reality and, and he actually cares about people and he doesn't care about one particular race. Uh, mainly because he's married to an Asian, half Asian chick, I think. So, or whatever she is, or Spanish, or whatever. The the fact is, if if R, if RCR loses, I as much as you know, Austin Dillon, God bless him, wife is a former cheerleader, all, all these things. If they lose Tyler Reddick, RCR is going to be a complete waste. Uh, they're they're going to go. They're going to be an all-saran. They were. They've been an all-saran organization for a while. They basically tried to ruin Daniel Hemrick's career in the process, make him look like he's not a good driver. He's a good driver, uh, but the team wasn't good enough. So, uh, you know, Reddick's the guy, and the fact that you know Dylan was able to hold him off. Speaks to multiple things, but the fact is he held him off. Got a win. He's in the chase. Let's see what he can do. Um, two weeks in a row that uh, guys that are right on the bubble or outside the bubble get in, which starts really making that um, playoff bubble look really, really tough uh, for for certain drivers. Um, when you go and get into the point standings right now, you have Austin Dillon in 14th. Um, Cole Custer fell to 22nd after the wreck he had, but he's in. He won the race, so he's in the in the playoff, which um, means that uh, the cutoff is Jimmy Johnson. And 16th, and William Byron is two points behind him. He's fallen out of the top 16. He's been in there most of the year. Tyler Reddick, after a great run on Sunday, is uh, 14 points. And then you have Eric Jones, who's 24 points out of the cutoff. Um when we go and look at the race itself, uh, Ryan Blaney was the dominant driver. He uh, led the most laps, 150 laps, won both stages, and uh, but he wasn't able to uh, pay it off because of uh, the incident involving Quinn Huff. Um, I, the controversy i i have something i have a rant that i've been holding on to for a few days um you know i think it's come along uh on social media 
Quinn off as kind of cried wolf about his people not knowing who he is or what he's about and his wife's gotten abused because of how bad her husband can draw her husband drives and all these things uh brad keselowski who's become he's always been outspoken and more people don't like it because he's become some lunatic born-again guy uh saying about having to have like levels of demerits it's kind of like the mahavir lord mahavir thing where you get so many penalty points that you should be you should lose your super license or lose your ability to be in a series um there there are other people you look at some of the cellar dwellers um in different series i I mean i guess i'll pass it to you josh like in terms of blaney not being able to pay off a win and uh, the continued kind of trend of his career where he's had opportunities, but he didn't get to pay it off. I guess talk about that, but then I also talk about like some of the people that you've seen that probably haven't deserved or have been over their head in a series relative to where they should be. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Blaney, you know, he's definitely a talented driver, and he's definitely you know, a popular driver among the fans. But it just seems like he has good races like you know, for the first two stages, and then in that final stage, they seem to fade away or something happens to them, whether it's like you know, bad luck or the car just gets away from them or they get in a wreck or something, and it ends up you know, not having a good result. And you kind of look at the standings uh, for the Cup Series, and, you know, he has, uh, he's second place right now in the standings behind Kevin Harvick. But Harvick has um, 11 top fives and 10 or 15 top tens. Ryan Blaney has uh, seven top fives and nine top tens. And then Brad Keselowski, his teammate, has uh, six top fives, but then he also has 13 top tens. And it shows to me, like, Ryan Blaney, you know, he's being carried by his stage points. And I think if we were to take away the stage points in NASCAR for the season, you'd probably see him a lot lower in the standings. And it just shows, you know, it seems like I'm not ready to say he's like a choker because he hasn't been the lead at the very end of these races for the most part where he like literally gave the race away. But it seems like something happens to him at the end and and they just um, don't have the ability to close races to relative to where they uh, ran for most of the race. And to me, it uh, seems like, I don't know if it's a a lack of focus by him or the team or something, but it it just seems like um, he just doesn't know how to uh, close out the end of these races. And that's something to look forward or not look forward to, but to kind of uh, keep an eye on as he progresses in this, this season and in his career, because um, that's going to be a, a trait that you don't want in a driver. You know, with Penske, it seems like, you know, he's been loyal to uh, Logano, and, um, you know, we thought Keselowski was going to be on the way out, but, you know, it seemed like maybe he's uh, going to be able to stay. But, uh, you know, maybe later on in a couple of years, he might find himself on the hot seat in Penske. And, you know, it's a shame because I think he might actually be the most talented out of uh, the current stable drivers in, in the, the Cup Series for Penske. But he, he just doesn't have, seems like he just doesn't have the ability to uh, 
close out these races and finish uh, relative to uh, where he ran during the race. But as for um, as for drivers that are in over their heads, you know, um, I think you know for me the um, one thing that you have to look at is guys like if you go back a, a long time ago, if you remember Stephen Light in the 33 car uh, back in like 2012, he was always uh, in the way and he was always like one of the slower cars in the field, if not the slowest. And I remember the funny quote from Jeff Gordon um, in the 2012 season, he was like, the spotter said, oh, the 33 car is down a cylinder. He was like, no, nah, it's more like the 33 is down a driver. And, you know, in the Cup Series, you know, <laughs> think about guys like um, Kevin Conway, you know, like his yeah. his uh, whole whole thing was a joke, you know, with his sponsor being the extends uh, pill that, you know, we uh, obviously we know that doesn't work. And and um, he finished pretty much in in last or wherever, you know, that in the 2010 series and or 2010 season, somehow he still won rookie of the year. And, you know, he's not even in NASCAR anymore. And, you know, even go into uh, other series like, you know, Formula One. Uh, Pastor Maldonado seemed like he was in over his head and and was always crashing or or causing some incident and then he um, ended up out of a ride in that series and you know, don't even know what he's doing now. But I think you know there's got to be some um, minimum level of experience to race in the Cup Series and I think you know there definitely has to have like um, some merit level and I think if you're a, a driver that's a you know either a rookie or you know you don't have quite as as much experience as what maybe you need to have to be in the cup series i think there's got to be like some kind of um system where you get demoted if you cause too many egregious incidents or um you know you're too erratic and you know i think i think for coin huff's case um you know i think he should be kicked out of the series i, I don't think he belongs in the cup series at all uh, I don't care if uh, he gets abused or whatever on social media. You know, the fact that he said Rome wasn't built in a day, I mean, that that's, uh, shows a lack of self-awareness and that he thinks way too high, highly of himself. And, you know, he just seems like he's uh, just very, very um, aloof, I guess, so to speak, and just just isn't aware of reality of uh, where he is as a Cub driver and, you know, the um, – the standing of his team, you know, he races for Starcom and they're, they're not a starting park. I don't think is, I mean, I guess he's finished some races, but they're, you know, they're not going to finish any higher, um, than, you know, the, the thirties or whatever on a, on a average race, you know, they definitely don't have, um, any speed whatsoever. And it'll be years before you could even consider them competitive. And, you know, for his case, I think NASCAR, um, not only should they demote him out of the Cup Series, I think he should be just kicked out of the sport. Period. Um, and I think the drivers, you know, Brad Keselowski, you know, he had some uh, comments where he basically was alluding to uh, the situation with Quinn Huff. But I'd like to see the drivers actively campaign uh, against uh, Quinn Huff's uh, standing in the series. You know, they should uh, lead a movement to kick him out of the series. Um, you know, we see driver in other sports where. Uh, you know, one athlete in particular who performs bad get uh, ridiculed by other athletes. You know, I don't understand why the drivers can't just, you know, go out there and, and um, you know, try to do something similar against uh, Quinn Huff because, you know, frankly, he just doesn't belong at all. And, you know, he shouldn't shouldn't even be in the series. And he's wasting, you know, for, for Starcom's case, you know, he's wasting uh, 
their car because you know he's had at least four DNFs now, and that's certainly not uh, for a small team like that. They don't need to see that, and and just you know just shows that he just doesn't belong. And one other thing I'll note is if you remember back in 2006. Um, the JJ Yelly was trying to get onto pit road and he crashed out Mark Martin and had, I think it was like one of the harder crashes in his uh, career. Well, I thought that incident or well, the incident with Quinn Huff on Sunday with him getting on, trying to get onto pit road and not paying attention and then crashing himself out and ruining, you know, the race for Denny Hamlin and uh, Ryan Benny and um, Matt DiBenedetto. I thought that was a similar crash to that crash uh, back in 06 with Mark Martin and, uh, um, J.J. Yaley, but just uh, you know, just a, a dumb move, and I think NASCAR's got to crack down uh, somehow, and they've got to figure out a way to bring the credibility of the series as a whole, because drivers like Quinn Huff uh, bring down the credibility of the series. Yeah, Quinn Huff, that the 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 move that he made on Sunday, where he tried to pit when he was in the middle of three wide. And uh, ruined old uh, Roy Rage Jr. D Burrito and Cocaine Hamlin and Blaney's day at Texas uh, was one of the dumbest things I've seen in my life. And uh, Clayton Caldwell, host of Talking in Circles, he was been on the GSP uh, before. And we were trying to figure out, I can't remember, I couldn't remember the last time I've seen something that dumb. Uh, you know, you brought up good points there, Josh, and you brought up J.J. Ailey. I mean, the fact, it means J.J. Ailey. I mean, the fact that J.J. Ailey won the Triple Crown in USAC amazes me because his stock car ability is is nil. Um. Uh, and and they they Reverend Gibbs was wanting him to run the 11 car and he backed into a coke addict from Chesterfield Virginia instead and that guy's been there ever since and FedEx loves him so I, it's something uh because JJ Ailey sucked and they got rid of Bobby Labonte but you you look at that move and I've been on this thing with Quinn Hoff uh, you know, since he made his cup debut. I mean, you look at at Quinn Huff's freaking career uh, and what what he's done. I, I mean, I'm just going to go through this. I, I, I want to go off on some, like, crazy rant because this dude – some he's he has a two-year deal to drive for starcom racing he he took landing castle's ride landing castle had the lowest percentage of wrecking of any driver and he so in its own right when you consider how poor the team is how mediocre the team is you need to have somebody that won't wreck race cars you know you want to have somebody that can actually do what they have to do. And he's run 35 cup races. His average start is, well, I mean, you could get into semantics because of now we're drawing positions, which you'll get into in a moment. 
uh, 33rd, and his average finish is 32.6. So he basically advances less than half of one position during a race. The guy's in the way every race, whether it's a cookie cutter, whether and especially at short tracks, he's completely out to lunch. There's no way in hell this guy, he's freaking 23, he doesn't have a clue. Somehow or another, he won the All-American 400 for David Gillen. That I want to know. I would love to know who was in that race that this guy won the All-American 400. The All-American 400 was part of the freaking, uh, they had the, the, the connection, whatever, the all-around connection. They used to have it on the American sports cavalcade. You had ASA, you had the Canadian, whatever the eight, what is considered now ACT. You had what was like super late model, you know, series, and they all came together. This genius won the All-American 400. Makes me, I look at Quinn Huff driving a race car, and it makes me think that I could drive a race car. I'm overweight. I'm 35 years old. I've never driven a race car, but this MFR makes me think I could drive a race car. That's how bad he is. He's fucking awful. He's, the, the, the fact that, like, this is crazy to me. The guy ran 10 Xfinity races. His average finish was 23.2. 10 Xfinity races. Average start of 28. Ran five ARCA races. And had two top 10s. No top fives. So he's like Miss Hummer level. Kind of. Like even Miss Hummer, for all the load she swallowed. Like at least she got a top 10 once in a while. But of course she had great equipment. She should have. He was in the ARCA series. Average start of 12.2 and finished 19. The K&N series. He finished 21st. His one K&N. The Cars Tour. In the Cars Tour, he won two races in the Cars Tour. uh, Which is uh, super late models. Which is where... Um, Dale Jr. has his deal and whatever. He finished in the top 10 in points. He won Tri-County in 15 and Kenley. Yeah, which is... Uh, uh, look at that. What is, uh, LFR chassis. So whoever LFR is uh, was putting him in, in vehicles. And he won uh, those... He won two super late model races back in 2015 and 2016. Um, I guess that's enough to go and get a cup ride and having uh, an open checkbook as well. Um, he they said he won the All American 400. I get it shows he he was in the All American 400 for David Gill and he finished finished ninth. I don't know. Maybe I saw something wrong. Whatever. He has won a couple super late model races. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is this. You should actually have to be able to to be somewhere, somewhere sniffing a top 10 to be able to be in a cup car. And if you can't even sniff a top 10, you shouldn't get a license. 
he's milk and donuts level bad where they need to go and figure out a rule where they have like the uh, uh, whatever the, the they have the damage clock and you have to hit a minimum speed they should just start and park him he's a freaking charter anyway because of the stupid charter system start and park this mf cuz at short tracks he's a weapon at cookie cutters he's a weapon he fucking sucks if he wants to come on here I know he doesn't listen to the GSP. He should. Go and come on here and defend yourself, motherfucker. Go and tell me why the hell you should be in the Cup Series driving a Cup car, albeit the fact that Starcom Racing is maybe a half step above Rick Ware, which he was driving in the Rick Ware system of suck last year, which tells you the kind of level of drivers he seems to hire. Outside of Ross Chastain. But, I mean, it's it's fucking ridiculous. There's no, there's no defense for that move. There's no justification. He blamed, and then on top of it, he's one of these rich daddy's money assholes that blames everybody but himself. He blamed the spotter for telling him too late and the crew chief. You're a fucking race car driver, asshole. Look in your mirror. Then he goes and posts on Twitter, oh, my mirror was gone. Look! You don't have any freaking, you don't have depth perception? You can't hear? Are you out of your fucking mind? Seriously? I mean, Derek Cope's a waste, and that Cope family in its own right, is a separate discussion for how pathetic they all are. Uh, the two da- the two nieces are whores. The one's married to some sugar daddy greaseball douchebag. Derek Cope's been a waste of time for decades. If, if, if Dale Earnhardt doesn't blow a tire in 1990 Daytona 500, Derek Cope doesn't exist right now. Derek Cope's frickin' work in the tilt world in Spanaway, Washington. Instead, we have this shitty third-rate cup team with a, with a hose beast PR person and all these other losers and dr- with a driver that can't even drive a hot nail through snow. This fucking guy. It's unbelievable. It's embarrassing. You know, NASCAR has enough problems with PR and in terms of credibility, but when you have guys... That that don't look like they could even pass a driver's test driving in the Cup Series. What does that tell you about the viability of a series? Really? That, uh, it, to me. I mean, SOD, the Daytona Beach Mafia, Steve Phelps, you know, Scott Miller, who's another brown-nosing ball licker. You bunch of useless bums that you go and give licenses to people like him. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, Dylan wins, Reddick second, Joey Logano, pizza face, gets third, Kryle gets fourth. Um, after driving through the front stretch grass and taking off like he was in a stadium super truck, and uh, still finishes fourth, goes and says, uh, the reason why he finished there was because of how great he is. Um, doesn't matter. You can't make a kid. 
um, legitimately. Uh, Kevin Harvick finished fifth. Eric Jones sixth at one of his best racetracks. Blaney recovers for seventh. Kurt Busch eighth. Brad Kozlowski ninth. And Eric Almirola, who started on the pole in tenth. Uh, Clint Boyer finished 11th. You go and look at some of the other people. Uh, Bubba Walsh didn't turn Michael McDowell, but they finished 14th and 15th. Uh, the Maggot car finished 16th. D Burrito finished 17th. Uh, Hamlin, 20th. And then uh, Truex uh, got involved in the big wreck after the end of stage two with Bowman. Uh, Byron had issues, accident earlier than that. Jimmy Johnson had issues and uh, had an accident as well. Uh, when you and that goes into this, you know, you talk about uh, the Hendrick Motorsport struggles. We went off on a little bit of a deal there, but Hendrick Motorsport struggles. What do we look at? I mean, are we worried here uh, in general? Are we worried and st- outside of uh, Clyde for the viability of the organization uh, as we get to the, the playoff or chase since one's outside of the, the cutoff, one's barely in the cutoff, and there are a bunch of drivers that could come back in. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Josh, on um, HMS? And uh, I guess we can connect it to that. Um, who outside of the current playoff grid do you believe can get a win, not only tomorrow, but in these next few races that could possibly go and flip the script the way the last two weeks have gone. Yeah, Hendrick Motorsports, like it seemed like at the beginning of the season, you know, they had Alex Bowman, seemed like he was going to be a threat this season. And um, Chase Elliott, you know, he's been pretty consistent overall uh, for this season. But it just seems like, you know, now it's, Trending back to where they were uh, the past couple of years, just um, not really sure what's going on. They've got to figure out how to get back into it. I mean, luckily, you know, they have two drivers in the chase right now or in the playoffs right now with Bowman and, and Chase Elliott. So at least you know they don't have to worry too much, but they should be concerned um, that they'll be able to at least make it through the first two rounds, if not all the way to the end. But as for Jimmy Johnson and uh, and William Byron, I think Jimmy's got to be concerned because he hasn't, you know, this is the last season. He's would like to have a shot to win the championship in his last season, and and um, you know he doesn't want to end his career being on the outside of the, the playoffs the last uh, two seasons of his career. And you compare that to where he was a decade ago, where he was winning championship after championship, and you know he's the five-time, uh, seven-time uh, series champion, and now now he's uh, on the short end of the stick. But you know he's shown the ability to at least you know make you know top 15, top 10s, you know top five throughout the race. It's just that he has trouble finishing, or something happens, and like this case, he got got loose and ended up hitting the wall in turn four at Texas and just seems like it's, um, you know, they've, they've got to pick it up here and figure out a way to steal a win maybe, or, or just, uh, try to, you know, make it throughout the race without having anything happen to them. And William Byron, I don't know. And he seems like 
he's um, just out out of the the three hundred cars. I I'd probably um, write him, or out of the four hundred cars, I'd probably write him off. It just seems like um, for every race that you know, it seems like where they do well, they have um, other they have more races where they're just not in it at all, and it just seems like um, Chad Vinaus, um even with his expertise, it just seems like they're not getting the results that they need. And it seems like maybe they were, you know, turning in the right direction with a mile and a half um, as a whole with their program. But, it, you know, with um, yeah, we look at Charlotte, Bowman was in the uh, top five there for the whole race, and he led a lot of that race. But then, you know, he ended up getting loose on a restart and ended up finishing 19th. And you see here, like, they they qualified well uh, at at Texas, and then they were in the top top ten for most of that race, I think. And then just at the end, like they got they got into it with Denny Hamlin, and you know that was kind of a result of the the Quinn Huff stuff. But you know, it just seems like they're they have a lot of uh, bad luck finishing races as well. And William, I think with William Byron though, it you know he's um he's had some bad luck as well. He uh, finished. It seemed like he was going to have a good race too, but then just didn't didn't work out and then they ended up uh, I think they got in a crash um with Danny Hamlin is um or with um one of the other drivers uh, but they they were in a, a wreck Dillon. as well yeah Ty Dillon so they were in a wreck with Ty Dillon and just just seems like they um as a whole Hendrick has got to try to find a way to regroup here maybe maybe they they can uh regroup here with uh I guess they're having a bye week here coming up uh, soon after after Kansas because Kansas is going to be on Thursday and then I think they not going to have a race next Sunday if um, I'm uh, right on the schedule they so they uh, they'll they won't race until August uh, after this weekend or after this uh, race here in uh, Kansas so maybe they can use that time to regroup and I know they did talk about on the uh, broadcast they said that uh, Ch- Ch- uh, Chad can now wasn't um in the shop until this week and you know they maybe uh they'll figure out a way to start getting in the shop because it seems like the other teams their crew chiefs are figuring out a way to um enter uh their buildings and communicate with their teams and and you know maybe they um hendrick needs to get their guys and um get more hands-on with um their cars and what they've had been so far since the return yeah, they're, I mean, and also you add to Knaus finally getting back in the shop. He's not even going to be on the box tomorrow. Um, baby watch with uh, his, um, uh, whatever, Miss Sprint Cup uh, wife or whatever, Miss uh, Monster, I, mean, I think it's Miss Sprint Cup wife. Uh, they're, they're looking for their second kid so he's not going to be on the pit box tomorrow keith rodman former crew chief for the five car um and others uh, will uh jamie mcmurray um candy cane he's going to be on the pit box for for uh william byron in a in a ten in a in a very uh tight situation watch him go and run well it'll be interesting that'll be hilarious Freaking! Oh my God, he didn't run well. The freaking Chad Canals would be—it'll be crazy. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Tyler Reddick last year uh, ran uh, his second career Cup race in uh, in in at uh, Kansas in the first 
Kansas race. It was a night race. Ran top 15 all night and outperformed his teammates. And he has more experience, understands these cars. Uh, I honestly believe that um, Redick, um, I don't know what you think, Josh, but um, I think Redick is definitely a strong, strong uh, wild card uh, figure outside of the top 16 to go and make something happen here uh, tomorrow night at uh, Kansas Speedway to get his first career cup win. Uh, he, he's run well at these one and a half mile tracks. There's no PJ one. So he'll be able to run the wall. If the wall's in play, then uh, I don't know if there's anybody better right now in the cup series that can run the fence. Uh, then uh, Tyler Reddick, of course, young money was the guy that ran the fence, but now he runs the cushion at uh, 410 sprint car tracks and wins virtually every other day. Um, but, uh, yeah, they'll have a break. Uh, they're randomly running a Thursday race instead of running it on Sunday. And then they're going to have a few days extra to get to uh, New Hampshire uh, the following Sunday. And then they'll have a doubleheader at Michigan International Speedway. Daytona International Speedway Road Course replacing Watkins Glen. Uh, two races at Dover. Um, and then the uh, playoff uh, cutoff at uh, the Coke Zero 400 at uh, Daytona. Um, even with COVID going on, and they will be running two races in Daytona in the matter of a few weeks. So that'll be interesting, to say the least. Um, before we move forward into the other series, we... I, I guess uh, we could talk about it maybe in general, but like there's no practice, no qualifying for the rest of the season. What do you think it, Josh, what do you think it'll mean uh, for some of these drivers that have struggled uh, a la Kurt Bo- or Kyle Busch, um, who thrives on the practice and quali- qualifying? Um, what does it mean in terms of uh, those drivers? Then uh, in general for the rest of the season, what it looks like. I mean, I figure they're going to focus on doing qual or draws for the playoff drivers and then everybody else. But um, what were your thoughts on that when you heard uh, uh, no practice or qualifying for the rest of the year for NASCAR? With no practice, I think uh, for guys like Kyle Busch who depend on driving as much as they can, um, it's going to hurt him, and it's been well known throughout this season that it, this since this return, that's what's hurt his performance the most, and you see that on a week-to-week basis, it seems like, although maybe uh, this uh, last race here, it seems like maybe they come uh, come back uh, to form with their, their finish here, but we'll have to see going forward uh, how they perform. But even tying back to what we talked about with Hendrick, uh, you know they have no no practice and the, their only chance to really uh, get dialed in with their cars is going to be on race day and you know with Jimmy Johnson seeming like he's struggling William Byron uh, William Byron struggling and even Alex Bowman like they they've got to have the chance to get uh, better and 
make a, a run towards the playoffs. And the fact that they're not going to be able to have any kind of practice at all um, really is going to uh, maximize uh, the urgency that they uh, need on uh, at the shop during the week to make sure that their cars are, are good to go for the uh, upcoming race. And it's going to going to be a very tough uh, uphill battle uh, for a team like that um, that needs to show that they've turned it around and that they're not going to um, uh, that, that they're not going to continue to struggle. But then again, there are other teams like Stuart Haas and Penske who've shown that they've done exceptionally well throughout this, and it seems like they've mastered uh, the, the process that. Um, that we're going through right now with um, no practice and then with no qualifying. But, I mean, with qualifying, though, with no qualifying there, there's just not um, – I mean, it, it matters at, at a lot of tracks because of, of clean air. But then again, like, you know, with it seems like lately with uh, the series, there's a little bit of randomness in the results at the end of these races. And, and maybe it, you know, qualifying, it doesn't – you know, it doesn't depend um, – your race doesn't depend on it as much um, as it used to with qualifying, but um, un- unless you're the leader or um, you start on on the outside of the leader in second place, but it just seems like um, you know practice is probably the more crucial part uh, for these teams. And uh, you know you'd like to see I mean, even um, other series. It seems like they're at least having like a warm up session and you'd at least like to see uh, maybe the cup series go to um, at least the cup series and um, or if not the other series of Xfinity and trucks that they would have like some kind of warm up session um, there. And it's going to, it's um, definitely a chance to um, shake down the car for the race if they had a warm up um, thing, but um, just seems like uh it's going to hurt the teams that um, need to make make up ground in the um, in the playoff chase, and it only separates the gap between them and, and the teams who are already doing well right now. Yeah, I, you brought up Kyle Busch, and he he talked about oh he likes practice and all that, and I kind of find it interesting that they make this announcement that they're not going to have practice or qualifying. Um, I I don't understand how you can have like you brought up Josh where you you could have a 30 minute warm up uh on a Sunday if you're going to be there early in the morning anyway and you're going to have to do go through tech and do all this bullshit you could go through tech have a 30 minute warm up 15 minute warm up whatever go and do plug checks, go and do some of these other checks where um, you have the kind of issues or or whatever. If they have some issues, you can fix them. And then you could go and uh, do a qualifying session, one lap qualifying too. I don't, I mean, you run it in... I guess not, I mean, using Formula One parlance park for May, run it in race trim, run qualifying, and then no tape, whatever, run it with tape, whatever. If you run it with tape, that's how you're going to start the race. If you run it with no tape and you run, that's what it is. You're going to run one lap, park the cars, 
and on the grid and then they're going to go and leave them as is and then you're going to go and race them and then from go from there and if you go they'll they do the top five and then they do the random checks and you don't pass inspection it is what it is but if eh, i don't know it's it's nascar i i mean indycar is able to do uh practice and qualifying no problem IMS is able to do the same thing. Formula One's basically running their same program. I find it interesting that NASCAR is the one series that can't do it. But then NASCAR is the closest thing to WWE. Um, yeah, we can go and talk about the current uh, playoff uh, grid. Right now, uh, Kevin Harvick big time points leader well in front in terms of uh, the playoff uh, getting the playoff bonus for the regular season uh, points leader uh, Denny Hamlin would be second based on wins uh, Brad Keselowski is third um, Joey Logano fourth Ryan Blaney is actually second in overall points but he would be fifth based on uh, only one win chase elliott eight, six martin truex seventh alex bowman eighth cole custer um i don't know why cole custer is ahead of austin dillon so austin dillon and cole custer would be the top 10 based on all their wins eric almarola is the best uh uh a place driver that hasn't gotten a win with Kurt Busch a point behind Kyle Busch a few points behind that Matt Benedetto in 14th and Clint Boyer 15th who uh, has come out this week saying he wants to keep driving um, if uh, he would catch a clue he'd be better off just going and taking a contract from Fox to be the uh, token uh, stereotype because he's not going to be driving the 14 car, whether it's Kyle Larson or Chase Briscoe. One of those guys is better than Clint Boyer. And if he wants to come on here too, he can go and have that too. I have no problem because he hasn't been relevant since 2013. Uh, Clint, uh, Jimmy Johnson is the uh, cutoff right now. Of course, he missed a race, but he got a waiver. He's two points out of his teammate, uh, William Byron. Uh, Tyler Reddick is 14 points out of the pl- uh, cutoff. And Eric Jones, 24. Bubba is in 20th, uh, having uh, his best season of his uh, cup career and his uh, third uh, full season in the cup series, uh, the RCR gains, uh, you look at one RCR car, one Tyler Reddick's up there. Bob is a beneficiary of that too. Uh, what are your takeaways, Josh? I know you want to talk about this in terms of the playoff, uh, for the cup series. Yeah, just, you know, with who's I mean, is really the you know kind of the bubble and who's left that could like shake up the grid really and i think for the most part you know the top 10 drivers are are set you know we have 10 winners this season and you know we still have a, a couple of um spots on the 
towards on the fringe parts of the grid with Jimmy Johnson and um, you know with uh, Ty or sorry with uh, Tyler Reddick um, and William Byron. That's kind of a stranglehold there for the uh, last spot. And I think um, I think out of maybe that group, maybe we might see Tyler Reddick um, based on his. Uh, speed and performance uh, throughout this season. I think maybe they'll um, steal a win here, or maybe they can point their way into the chase or the playoffs. And you know, maybe a, a driver that you wouldn't expect to get in is um, Bubba Wallace. Maybe he can uh, find a win here um, before the playoffs, and maybe he'll uh, become a playoff uh, driver this season. And certainly has the talent for it. Um, and the Petty team, they've they've shown some improvements and they've had some gains and. That trickles down from RCR, like you said, uh, but we'll see how um, how much they can improve and if they're able to find themselves at the end. But maybe Eric Jones it seems like he's a guy you would have expected to be uh, inside the playoff hunt, um, but he's on the outside, so maybe we'll see him um, get a win here. But definitely, um, uh, definitely would be a disappointment if he um, doesn't make the. Uh, the playoff grid at all. Yeah, I, I mean, if Bubba, you, you look at the races that are left, there's eight races left on uh, the uh, regular season schedule. Um, the road courses are a throwaway. Um, Kansas is a possibility. I mean, if it was a regular race, I think fuel mileage with Jerry Baxter could could go and play but now with the stages, that's not really in there. New Hampshire, not one of his better racetracks. Um, Daytona for the Coke Zero 400 is probably the best shot. Michigan could be in play, but it's a Ford racetrack uh, in recent years. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, even if he doesn't make the playoff, He's made a step forward, and there might be some announcements, some things that might come along where he could go and take that next step forward. Uh, Bubba Walls could, but Tyler Reddick definitely is the guy that could go and take that um, move. He could get a win. If he doesn't win tomorrow, I do think that he could still get a win, and if it not a win, he could point his way into this deal because, honestly... In terms of performance, he's been better than the two guys that are ahead of him uh, over this entire season in terms of relative performance. And um, in terms of most impressive Chevy driver that isn't named William Clyde Elliott, the second, I think it's Tyler Reddick. Um, He's better than his teammate. It's why Austin's decided to learn how to drive. Um, so we will see we, in terms of the playoff. Um, going into the Xfinity series, it'll be another rant from me. Uh, Austin Sindrick Gumby gets his third consecutive win after uh, Kyle Busch gets DQ'd uh, for heights um, post race. Uh, it wasn't as though Kyle Busch dominated the race. It was Justin Allgaier who uh, dominated the race, won both stages, and uh, had a blend line uh, violation, uh, which uh, cost him a chance at winning that deal 
Um, he won both stages, but he still finished third uh, after the everything uh, went down. Uh, Austin Sindrick was up there, finished third and second in both stages. Chase Briscoe gets another top five finish. Uh, what were your thoughts, Josh, on uh, the uh, my uh, Bariatric Solutions 300 at Texas for the Xfinity Series? Well, for Alvaro's part, you know, that seemed to be the most controversial part of the weekend with how he won the stages. But then at the end, he had a blend line penalty, like you said. And, you know, like it seems there's some kind of ambiguity, like ambiguity with uh, how um, these rules are enforced. And for whatever reason, all of a sudden NASCAR is deciding to enforce the blend line rule. And I feel like they could probably take away some of that unknown of where the blend line actually is if they decided uh, to, you know, paint the blend line a different color and they made it very clear what, where it was, you know, they maybe, it seems like it's a, a white line. Maybe they painted a yellow line from the exit of pit road all the way um, to where they decide that point is. And, you know, if it's off of uh, turn two, then there should be a yellow line extending from, um, the end of pit road, you know, onto the apron, uh, um, and going off, um, you know, ending at turn two. And, and I feel like, you know, if they, they make it visible enough, then, uh, the drivers will know where that is and they'll know not to cross that, you know, and yeah, I mean, they could have like a, a cone too, but you know, they, there's gotta be like some tangible, visible, um, boundary where, um, they shouldn't cross it and if they decide to cross it then yeah there there wouldn't be like oh there's like is this really a um a, a violation of the rule like we saw here at uh texas this weekend which to me it didn't seem like it because he um probably pushed the boundary of where it was and then we saw something similar um you know, with other drivers that didn't, they didn't get penalized. And it just seems like to me, like there's, um, you know, selective enforcement of the rules, which is what NASCAR um, has become known for in the last um, couple of years and you know, past decade or two in this sport. And it just seems like that they should, you know, they need to make things clear and, and they're not, and it's hurting the drivers and, you know, Kyle Busch, you know, he said he was going to win his, um, or he was going to retire after winning 100 races, and it seemed like he has one more race closer to his goal, and now he's not. So it's going to uh, take a couple more starts for him to do it. And now we have Mr. Austin Sindrick, um, or Gumby, as you call him, win his third consecutive race, and um, now he's going to look like um, a threat for the playoffs as he's going to add more playoff points for him. Uh, going forward into the uh, playoff uh, chase for the Xfinity series and certainly helps his case as he'll he'll uh, have to chase down uh, Chase Briscoe um, and then we have Noah Gregson just continuing to uh, do stupid things in the uh, Xfinity series and you know, hopefully hopefully he gets a talking to from Dale Jr. I think he has and he's just got to you know be patient and not um, get into other people on the racetrack and you know they'll help him going forward not only make not make any enemies but you know he'll um, have a better reputation in this series 
Yeah, you brought up a lot of good points there, Josh. You talk about Chase, who's a current points leader, uh, leads in playoff points as well. 24-point lead on Gumby. The two Fords are the definite uh, favorites right now. Sindrick with three consecutive victories on ovals. Who would have thought uh, that Gumby would be able to win on ovals? Uh, tell you that uh, there might be questions about the quality of the field, but hey, you know, Penske's always been known to win on one-and-a-half-mile racetracks. At some point, Cindric would have had to figure it out. Uh, Matt DiBurito, for all the Reddit people, uh, if you listen to the GSP, start crying. Cindric's taking the 21 car over. You heard it here first. Um, Briscoe right now is in line for that regular season bonus. Um, so Gregson, who I'm going to mention here in a moment. Third, Chastain, fourth, hasn't won a race. Um, Haley is fifth. He has won. Allgaier, six. Harrison Burton, seven. Two wins. Mike Lynette, uh, no talent. Daddy's money in eighth. Brandon Jones has a win, but he's Brandon Jones. Riley Herbst, who's the latest victim of uh, cocaine Gregson, has a great driving ability in tenth. Sieg in eleventh, and Brandon Brown in twelfth on the cutoff. He is 31 points ahead of Jeremy Clements and 38 points out of Mike Snyder in uh, for the cutoff in terms of the playoff. So, yeah, we went over all those different topics. We talked about uh, Sindrick winning three straight there. The blend line violation, David Reagan came out and said people have been violating that for years. Then all of a sudden they decided to start enforcing it, which is shows a consistently inconsistent selective enforcement. Those are the two hashtags. I've always used when it comes to NASCAR, uh, they do they do not know how to run races. They do not know how to to manage or or, or um, do show their rules in terms of races. And screwing over Justin Allgaier is par for the course. Um, his wife probably got mad about it, which is funny to them, uh, mainly because she's taller and she's wide. Um, it is what it is. Um, you know, you go into the uh, results, just go quickly. Sindrick, Briscoe, Allgaier, Burton, Annette, top five. Jeb Burton, Brandon Jones, Haley, Chastain, Brown, top ten. Um, Jeremy Clemens, 11. Jeffrey Earnhardt, David Starr. Yeah, I'll tell you why, what the hell this feel is. Uh, Jesse Little, Tommy Joe Martins, top 15. Uh, the zero two 2 our motorsports team, uh, Brett Moffitt's the driver. Uh, Andy Seiss, the modified veteran who's been a part of that team for a while. Uh, announced that he is leaving the organization, so we will see if there's any drop-off or any issues that comes from that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that you go into Kansas on Saturday, and uh, they will be running there in the Kansas Lottery 250. And, uh, yeah, it looks like, oh, look at that, Andy Lally. Speaking of our motorsports, Andy Lally was able to finance an opportunity to run Road America and the Daytona Road Course for our motorsports, which is a good ride, using uh, GMS, formerly GMS equipment. So, hey, we'll see what he can do. Possibly could go and sneak in there and win a race. So that'd be something for the long time uh, sports car veteran. Going to a truck race, uh, Kyle Busch wins his eight trillionth uh, truck race um, at Texas. But uh, as I mentioned, Christian Eckes, I think, was the standout performer. Uh, during the night there, uh, Texas on Saturday night. And then um, 
you go and look at some of the regulars, defending series champion Matt Crafton, three-time champion Matt Crafton, Stu Ball, Brett Moffitt, all get top fives. I, I, I guess we can look at it two ways. You know, Kyle Busch does what he usually does. He, he gets a win after he gets disqualified. But when you look at the truck series, Josh, when you look at these regulars and all of them kind of getting finishes, what does it say for the the overall series, uh, like the, I guess, the overview for the points and for the possibilities for a championship with some of the favorites that we thought preseason finally getting finishes, Austin Hill, um, having a mechanical and having an off weekend altogether, going in at two races here at Kansas. Uh, what do you look at in terms of uh, what you learned from Texas with the truck series? Yeah, you know, we talked about the truck series, and it seems like, you know, Matt Crafton had a third place finish, and we, you know, he's always been kind of a, a favorite in the truck series. Um, and he's the one veteran in the series that's, you know, always kind of been there and um, has, you know, the championships to credit for him. Um, you know, we thought guys like, um, uh, Grant Infinger would you know do well throughout the season. And he has, and he had a good finish. And um, guys like Stuart Friesen, who I thought would be a little bit better than um, what um, he's shown so far this season, and it, um, he's got a, a good finish uh, to boot for this season. And I don't know if he'll make the playoffs or not. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think other guys like um, Brett. I think Brett Moffitt, like you know, he was um, supposed to. Uh, be a, a guy that we thought would uh, do well this season, but you know I think he's um, seems like he had a, a good race and he finished fifth. And going going forward, you know with Texas or with um, uh, Kansas, I think we'll probably see you know guys like Austin Hill uh, try to do well. Maybe he will recover from what he did uh, at Texas. Maybe we'll see Christian Eckes continue the momentum that he had from uh, Texas and carry that into uh, Kansas. You know. Um, and, uh, you know, going forward and maybe a guy like Ben Rhodes, you know, he was uh, supposed to do well um, a couple weeks ago. If it hadn't rained, he might have won. And so maybe a guy like him, maybe he'll perform uh, better at at, uh, at Kansas and maybe he'll finish in the top five or get a potential win. You know, guys, I think the regular for this series, you know, they've um, starting to maybe get better results now that they've um, are starting to race more in the, uh, as the summer heats up and we get into the playoffs for the uh, for the truck series. Yeah, we go into the results of the uh, Vancouver 250. Kyle Busch wins his, what the heck did they say it was? 59th Truck Series race, Christ. 59th Truck Series win. Uh, Christian Eckes finishes second. Kraft in third. Reason fourth. Moffat fifth. Tyler Anchor sixth. Haley uh, doing a um, doing a, a one-off in the 24. Finishes seventh. Grand Enfinger, 8th, Brendan Rhodes, ninth, and Ross Chastain in 10th. Derek Krause, Raphael Assard, who are regulars, um, 11th and 12th. Majeski uh, finishes 15th. Sheldon Creed starts on pole, has a brutal night, finishes three laps down in 16th. Uh, Zane Smith gets playoff points, but then has issues late, finishes 19th. Um, and then when it, goes, when it comes to the points uh, situation, uh, Austin Hill, after falling out, he finished, uh, he blew up and finished 30th, uh, didn't get any stage points at all. So it was just a complete uh, uh, shit show for the 16 Hattori team. Uh, so he loses a huge chunk of points, 22 points ahead of Ben Rhodes, uh, an additional 10 points ahead of Sheldon Creed. 
um, Eckes, Zane Smith, Brett Moffitt, Grant Enfinger, who would be the um, would be up there in terms of the playoff um, right now. He'd be uh, they. I think Austin Hill would end up having the overall points lead because of the uh, playoff points, even with uh, Grant Enfinger and Sheldon Creed being ahead of them with wins. Ben Rose, Eckes, Zane Smith, Brett Moffat, Tyler Ankrum, Todd Gillen, Matt Crafton is on the cutoff in 10th. Derek Krause is 11 points behind. Um, Johnny Sauter, who had problems on Saturday, he had an engine issue as well, uh, is 22 points out in 12th. So we will see. They will have two truck races this weekend at Kansas. Um, from there, we'll go into the GSP Roundup news segment here. We'll go into some hot topics, different stories going on in the world of motorsports. Um, the legend Alex Zanardi, after his um, uh, hand cycling uh, injury, hand bike crash um, in Italy, uh, he's been transferred to a rehabilitation center. He spent a month in uh, intensive care due to the head, uh, severe head and brain injury suffered. In a June 19th crash, you can see information on Speed Sport Eraser. Um, his son, Niccolo, was quoted in talking about his hopes and uh, feeling that his dad will be able to be awoken and be able to recover. Um, you have to wonder for both things, for, for Niccolo and for um, uh, Alex and Artie's wife, for what, they've, for what they've went through, for everything that's gone on. Um, how much more can they take? I mean, pray whether you believe or you believe in a god or anything whatever it is you pray uh, for Alex and Artie he's, he's an absolute legend and he's one of the best race car drivers in terms of just his passion and his love and his um, what he's brought to motorsport for all he's went through um, before everything happened and even after is somebody that he's a hero and he's a legend um, I hope and pray for his uh uh, hope for a recovery for him. Um, IMSA ran at Sebring. It was a, a sprint race at uh, Sebring. They ran a, a two-hour, 45-minute deal there. Um, when it comes to the overall uh, winners at uh, the Sebring race, we can go with WeatherTech Sports Car Championship at... They'll be going to Watkins Glen, or I mean Road America, in the next uh, race in a couple of weeks. He had Pippo Durrani and uh, in the Whalen Engineering, number 31, won the race at Sebring overall. And then um, you go and look at uh, see if here. It was Pippo Durrani, Felipe Nazar. And then you had Ringer van der Zanda and Ryan Briscoe finish the second. Borday and Barboza, so Cadillac, one, two, three. Mazda's finished four and five. Defending series champions, Dane Cameron, Juan Pablo Montoya, finished sixth. Ricky Taylor, Elio Castroneves, teammates in seventh. And the JDC Miller uh, Motorsport, uh, 85, with Vautier and Steven Simpson finish in eighth, last of the DPIs, and uh, one lap down. Uh, in LMP2, Gustavo Mendezes and Hendrik Heidman in the Dragon Speed Orca win LMP2. Oliver Gavin and Tommy Milner win their second race in a row uh, 
with the uh, second race in a row for Corvette in GTLM. Uh, they win uh, over by a matter of seconds there by over the, their teammates. And then Jack Hawkworth, Hawksworth and Aaron Tellitz get a second consecutive win at uh, in the GTD. Uh, what are your takeaways on uh, the IMSA race there, Josh, uh, at Sebring as they go and move towards Road America? Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting race uh, in that series. Uh, um, it was a, a dominant performance with uh, Felipe Nazar and Pivo Durani and the Wheel and Engineering car. Um, you know, the, they've um, definitely, for, for that race, it was uh, a, a definitely a very, very dominant performance with uh, the Cadillacs, and they went and swept the top three positions with um, the Ryan Briscoe and uh, Ranger Van uh, Derzandi in the uh, Kanaka Minolta car, and then we had uh, Barbosa and uh, Seabass, Sebastian Bourdais in the um, Mustang Sampling JDC Miller car to finish um, third place there. Um, seems like it was definitely a, a, a Cadillac uh, dominant performance uh, throughout that entire weekend, and maybe that's going to be something looking um, forward here as the, the season goes on if uh, Cadillac um, takes the um, direction of the series and um and continues to dominate um and it's a, a little uh, disappointing that we didn't see um more out of uh, penske with uh acura but of course um the news with acura and them splitting for next year um, that's uh, even more disappointing um but o- overall um seemed like a very solid weekend for uh the imsa series at sebring yeah and that's that's a good point you know you look at acura and team penske uh they're gonna be uh, splitting up at the end of this year, it, it sends shockwaves within a series that is hurting for or, uh, teams and, and cars and drivers. Uh, I, I, you look at the, the rumors when you, you read certain websites, whether whether it's Meyer Shank or Andretti or Ganassi might be in line to possibly run a factory Honda effort for Acura effort in the WeatherTech series, knowing that um, this uh, formula going into 22 will be a common formula to run at Le Mans. Uh, you also look at Penske's side, uh, they're not uh, sitting still. Uh, it sounds like through different rumors and things, whether you read on the internet, that uh, they might be in line to combine with Porsche again, like they did uh, more than a decade ago, 15 years ago, and uh, work with Porsche on a program to possibly run for overall at Le Mans. Um, Penske hasn't won Le Mans ever. When you consider that Penske has won everything, he hasn't won Le Mans. So it would probably make a lot of sense that if he were to go and join with the most prolific winner at Le Mans themselves in terms of manufacturing Porsche and try to go for overall there. Granted, of course, finances and all kinds of other things have to come into play. You have to also add, in fact, Porsche has a bunch of factory drivers, and Penske has four drivers right now under contract for the sports car program, and then you have an additional two that show up for the Enduros. So that'll be, and a lot of people, which when we were talking about the IndyCar series in terms of the possibility of expanding to four cars, that's where you could go and get those people. Um, what do you... Uh, I guess we could go and look into that. Where I mean, you, it's disappointing you talk about Penske uh, not being in the series, and you look at some of the other teams that are being that are leaving uh, the IMSA series. But who do you think, Josh, would be a viable candidate to take over this program before we go into the rest of the uh, roundup? Uh, 
we'll see. You know, I think maybe um, Meyer Shank Racing um, with their sports car program. Um, it's, you know, I think maybe they'll be a candidate. Um, I think possibly maybe whoever they uh, decide um, in their Acura, uh, whoever, you know, they had, I guess, Gradient Racing is one team that is running the Acura NSX. Maybe we'll see um, them get promoted up, in a, in a sense, up to uh, DPI. Um, but, you know, it's going to it's gonna be a, a tough deal to try to find a, another, another team to um, – uh, back um, with Acura, but certainly it, you know, it helps to have manufacturer support. Um, but, you know, for me, like personally, it's disappointing because I mean, I drive in Acura in real life. And uh, when I first heard that Acura and Penske were teaming up, like I was, you know, a little, little excited about that. Um, you know, having a, at least brand representation from what I drive on the daily and seeing that on in IMSA, but you know, they'll, they'll figure it out and um, hopefully they'll uh, p- uh, partner up with uh, another team in the, in the series going forward. Um, as for Penske, um, uh, hopefully they decide to stay in sports car, but I'm not sure who they are going to go with uh, for a manufacturer um, if they decide to stay. Um, but, you know, certainly for all the drivers that Penske has there, um, you know, that they may or may not um, be in need of rides next year, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, uh, we will see. There's a lot of things that because of COVID-19, it's kind of flipped uh, sports cars on, on its lid, uh, not only in IMSA, but the World Endurance Championship and other series around the world. And when it comes to budgets, pro-ams, et cetera, et cetera. When you look at the rest of the roundup, you go to MotoGP at Jerez, the first round of the championship, Fabio Quattararo for the Patronus uh, Yamaha team wins his first career MotoGP race as Mark Marquez who started up on the front row, uh, went off in lap four of the race, almost wiped out, but held on, fell all the way to the tail end, tail back, as Rusty would say, came back all the way to the third and was on his way to getting in a second and then wiped out, got injured, has had surgery um, for a broken arm and all kinds of whatever. And it sounds like he might be coming back. Based on most recent articles, that he might race this weekend, which is um, insane. But when you consider the greats of the sport and injuries and all that, he is one of them. It's not really all that out of the realm. But um, when you consider the the couple of offs that he had, the fact that there's a possibility he might end up riding in the Grand Prix on Sunday is crazy to say the least. Um, but for Fabio Quattararo, who's going to be on the factory Yamaha uh, starting in 21, it's uh, it's a big deal for him to finally get his first win in uh, MotoGP and to get some momentum possibly to go and give Mark Marquez a little bit of a, a little bit of stress when it comes to uh, his uh, his trying to win yet another. Uh, world championship. I don't know the last time he didn't win a world championship. It's been so long. Uh, it's for the same people that hate uh, Lewis Hamilton. It's the same thing in MotoGP for Mark Marquez. They're saying that, uh, you know, just based on an article here, just going to, he's evaluating possibility of riding on Sunday um, based on how he feels uh, from the fracture, humerus bone, right arm. 
And it says he's unwilling to put a time frame on return. He says there's already company trying to arrest before FP1. So there's a possibility that in a couple of days from now, he's going to practice to possibly ride um, after breaking a bone in his arm, which um, tells you what MotoGP riders are willing to do to uh, win championships um, and that they're demented. Um, and when it comes to Mark Marquez, it's not shocking. Um, you know, uh, Mark Mark, who you go into it, Fabio Quattararo finishes first. His uh, future teammate, Maverick Vinales, finishes second. Took a extreme uh, choice on tires, went with a soft front, didn't work out. Uh, he started on pole and finished second. Andrea Davizioso for Ducati in third. Jack Miller for Ducati. Pramac Ducati fourth. Franco Morbidelli fifth. Polis Bargaro, a future teammate of Mark Marquez, uh, but riding right now for KTM, finishes six, great pace. They had Franco Bagnaia, Bagn- I can't pronounce his freaking name. I don't know how the heck they come up with his name. He's seventh. Oliveira for Red Bull KTM Tech 3, eighth. Danilo Petrucci for Factory Ducati, ninth. Takanakagami, who's uh, going to get demoted for Alex Marquez uh, in 21, finishes 10. So there is that for the... Uh, MotoGP NHRA got rained out at Indianapolis for their second race, which only included the two nitro categories, Top Fuel Funny Car, of course, uh, Top Fuel Harley, Factory Slot Pro Mod also raced there. Justin Ashley and TJ Zizzo will be racing uh, during Q3 at the U.S. Nationals for the Wally, and then uh, Hagen versus Beckman in Funny Car. V8 Supercars, Sydney Motorsports Park, Scott McLaughlin uh, continues to lead the points. He won one of three races. Nick Percat for Brad Jones Racing and Jack LeBrock for Tickford gets his first career win. Um, McLaughlin leads the points over Jamie Wincup, who's like the Jimmy Johnson in um, V8 Supercars. Uh, we will go into the picks before we end this uh, GSP. Uh, we'll go first into the Super Start Batteries 400 at Kansas. Um, Josh, who do you look for to win, and who do you look for as a wild card possibility for uh, tomorrow night's race? Yeah, I, I'm going to look for um, I'm going to look for um, Eric Almarola um, as a wild card. Um, he's you know seemed like maybe he would. Um, do pretty well here at Texas on Sunday. Then they had the break issue, uh, and then he ended up having the penalty. Still came back to finish um, in tenth, but then he um, could have finished better if none of that happened to him. And for the pick uh, that I have, I'm gonna go with uh, Kevin Harvick. Um, I think you know he's always he's always been doing well this season, and you know, he's continuing to finish in the top five and the top ten. And I think you know he had a 40 laps he led here at Texas, which is a mile and a half. And, you know, it seems like he's one of the guys to watch in the series and has been um, since the the return. So um, I think he'll be the winner at Kansas on uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, you had to go and take those uh, picks. Um, I'll make sure I get this thing posted before the end of the night here. So you'll be able to hear it. If you go and uh, want to put some money on it, Josh's picks are, rel- are really good. He's been able to hit some winners here recently. So. Uh, put a couple bucks on them. I think you should be able to get a good return. Um, for me, I I mean, Harvick starting on pole, I mean, that's just like stealing. Um, 
you know, you look at a racetrack that he's won at before, so it's kind of crazy. And you picked Eric Almirola too, so that kind of takes away. I, I, in terms of wild card, Reddick is my wild card. He starts 23rd, but he'll be able to run the rim. And even though it's a night race, they're going to be running wide open. If he can run the wall, it could be a real advantage. He could go and sneak himself right into this playoff uh, with his first career win. Um, in terms of an actual pick, I'm going to go Brad Keselowski. Uh, Brad Keselowski won his first race for Penske in a cup series uh, with Paul Wolf at Kansas back in 2011, um, considering that there's questions about whether he'll be back at Penske Racing uh, in 2021. It would probably be a good opportunity for Brad to get a third, consider, um, uh, considering his uh, record at this racetrack, winning uh, most recently in the night race uh, last year at uh, Kansas over Alex Bowman. Uh, good point there by Josh. Um, we'll go into the Xfinity Kansas Lottery 250. Um, same question, Josh. Um, a, uh, a favorite and a wild card uh, to go and win on Saturday evening. Yeah, you know, you got to just continue to go with uh, the hot hands in the Xfinity series, and that seems to be either Chase Briscoe or Austin Sindrick as of late. Uh, and I, you know, it seems like it's either one or the other. Uh, I have to go with Chase Briscoe as uh, the pick. And you know, it seems like he's going to be a guy that's a dominant force in the series um, that we've seen. And I wouldn't be surprised if he took home the victory for um, his team at, at Kansas. And then for the wild card, uh, I'm going to have to um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Ross Chastain. Yes, I think think he's due for a win now. He's um, of the top guys in the series in Xfinity. I think he, you know, he hasn't had a win yet, and maybe he'll uh, figure out a way to pull one out here in in this uh, race uh, at Kansas this weekend. Yeah, it's not much of a limb. You're talking about Ross Chastain. He's starting seventh, but uh, we'll, we'll let it go. Um, he's He's been probably the best driver that hasn't won a race right now in the Xfinity series so far this season. So I guess there is validity there. Um, Briscoe would be my pick too, not just cause I'm a Mark for Chase Briscoe, but the last Kansas race, he should have won. Um, if it weren't for, uh, Garrett Smithley not being able to use mirrors, um, he, uh, Chase Briscoe would have made the final four, uh, in his rookie year in the Xfinity series. And, um, he Brockshot Jones was a beneficiary of that, which I'm going to use as my, uh, wild card uh, Brandon Jones as uh, my wild card pick. Uh, he starts second, of course, on Saturday, but he's Brandon Jones, and he's starting with another daddy's money guy that has no business um, being in good equipment. But they have money, and their their dads and moms have money, so whatever. That's why they're there. Um, that's uh, the wild card pick for me. Now, the last. Races are the two truck races. Uh, you have the can two two 200-mile truck races at Kansas. Uh, entry list, exactly the same. It's just a difference in sponsorships between the Friday race and the Saturday race. Um, who do you look for in terms of winners uh, for both nights and uh, two people that could surprise? Yeah, for the first race, uh, I think, 
somebody that I'd look to win is probably Austin Hill. I think he's due for a win, and you know he won four times last year, and he's been in the points lead so far here in the Truck Series. And I think he's he's got to at some point win a, a race, and I think this this will be the one for him uh, to win the race. And I think maybe a a wild card for that race, maybe somebody like uh, maybe maybe we'll see Sheldon Creed come out and win the race here. Um, you know he's already won this season. Um, but you know, it hasn't been, um, it's been a little bit up and down, I think. Uh, but I think maybe he can come out and win that race. And, and then for the Kansas Speedway 200 on Saturday, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with, uh, Christian Eckes as the winner. Um, he's, you know, had a couple of good runs here recently with that, uh, Texas. And I think, uh, maybe he'll pull one out and maybe get his first win. Um, and I think for a wild card, um, I have to go with, uh, Maybe with Todd Gilliland, um, you know, he starts. He's going to start third on uh, Friday night. But you know, I think with it being a mile and a half repave track, I think there's definitely a, a chance that you know he can maybe pull one out as a wild card potentially. Yeah, you. Those are all good picks. I mean, you you have to look at the, these next couple of races. You look at Kansas. They haven't determined. There's a couple of races they haven't determined in the rest of the regular season for both Xfinity and for trucks. Um, they this if you could go and tie a couple of races on, you look at what Austin Sendrick has done. They had two races at a, a dump um, at Kentucky. He wins both of them in two different setups, and all of a sudden he's on a heater. And that can go and set you on a tone for the rest of the season. Um, and so he's been able to go and accumulate a lot of points with stages. He's been able to go and win races. You could go and do something like that here. I look at Eckes after his great run at Texas. He he didn't run the whole entire Arca series. He still won and beat Michael Salt, took his soul last year. Um, Eckes is an elite driver, elite talent, somebody that Gibbs has to um, – look at while he's running people out of business um, when it comes to the people that he has within his organization that could actually drive and do things. I think he's going to win tomorrow um, on uh, Friday. And in terms of Saturday, I'll go with, um, I'll go with, uh, I'll get crazy here. I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll take Matt Crafton. He hasn't won in three, four years anyway. So it's kind of a wild card in itself. So it kind of goes one and the same. It's a wild card and it's a winner. Um, I'll say, I'll say Crafton wins on Saturday and Eckes wins on Friday. You look at somebody that could kind of go and sneak up and shock the world. I'll, I'll go and say Derek Krause with the, the McAnally team. Uh, he's right on the edge of the playoff. He's been fast all year. He's somebody that could go and do something uh, on Friday. And then on Saturday, go Tanner Gray, DGR Crosley, Shane Wilson as a crew chief. You know, that's a, it's a more, it's a more of a straightforward track, Kansas. You never know what can happen. Um, those are opportunities there for the uh, truck series. Um, also, there will be MotoGP at Hareth. I forgot to mention that Joe Roberts is in the Moto2. Uh, he uh, finished fourth at Qatar after starting on pole, um, had a struggle last weekend. Hopefully he'll be able to recover this week and uh, uh, make a step forward and uh, continue his charge towards a uh, Moto2 championship. Uh, he's one American representative in Moto2 and Moto whatever uh, in the current situation. Um, Quattararo, I think, is a favorite in terms of MotoGP. 
Um, if Marquez is able to ride on Sunday, of course, he's a favorite. Uh, thing to look at is the Yamaha riders, uh, Maverick Vinales and Valentino Rossi, the GOAT, uh, both struggled with their tire choice. Maybe they'll probably a more conservative tire choice and see if that can switch on their uh, factory Yamaha since the uh, satellite team outperformed them. The Ducati team has to go and show up uh, in general. And we will see about other things if KTM can continue their pace. Brad Binder had a brutal start, but was able to run many fast laps. Polis Pargo had a top six. Uh, with that, it is the uh, Gripster podcast. We thank you for uh, listening. And um, before we go, um, Josh, do you have anything going out? All right. Um, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts and we're on uh, Podbean. If you want to listen to us, uh, follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're the Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. And uh, I'm at Philip G. Matthew. Um, Josh is JP Hafine on Twitter. And um, we will, uh, Josh, have anything to kick in there? Yeah. Um, just real quick. I mean, I talked about my uh, incident with um, Bubba, Bubba, not Bubba, with uh Bernard Pollard, Pollard, yeah, yeah, NASCAR's new number one fan. Uh, yeah, it was um, pretty crazy. You know, I didn't expect that to race against him that quickly, um, but I, I felt bad about wrecking him there at the end. I was just trying to make it, um, and he was—I guess he was kind of in the way, but um, I, I, it wasn't wasn't intentional at all. I just um, was carrying too much speed and um, was a little impatient there at the end, and then you know um, had a it was a, a little fun there in that race, but um, didn't didn't want it to end like that for him or, or for me, but. Um, hopefully I see him around on iRacing uh, going forward and maybe I um, can race him cleanly and I expect to race him cleanly, but you know, Hey, it's a, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. It's bad that, uh, you know, I mean, and we, we try to get Bernard Pollard to get on the podcast cause uh, we want to go and have a new fan. We want to interview him and talk about his football, um, you know, career and all that, because we're both football fans anyway, but we're also racing fans and just figuring out how he became a fan, all that other stuff, uh, obviously didn't respond to us, but we'll keep on working on that. Hopefully we can get that in here on the GSP, but uh, hopefully Josh doesn't go and dump them uh, anymore. Uh, it's not good for uh, NASCAR PR. It might, they might go as SOD might go and send some random penalty towards Josh, which would be a problem, but it would make the podcast more interesting anyway. Uh, we thank you for listening to Gripster Podcast. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, hope you have a great day, night, or whenever you're listening to it, and uh, God bless. Take care. Be safe.